Hey, this is Daniel. Thanks for listening to DIY Money. If you haven't already, be sure to give us a five-star review on iTunes so your friends know that they can learn from the show. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of DIY Money. DIY Money. Back again. We are back again together. <laughs> What's going on in your it's world? very apparent that we uh, record two of these Yeah, it's so when, obvious, but... It's, yeah, <laughs> it's all good. Uh, what's going on in my world? Summer's almost over. It's mm-hmm. We're in the forecast. Cool days are coming. This is where Quentin and I... like On these shows, Quentin and I will usually agree on most things, but when it comes to weather, yeah, we no, are you so know, diametrically Quint opposed. Quentin wants it to be 105. He just absolutely hates the cold, does not want anything to do with cold. Yeah. And you're like... Give like me fall. Chilly weather is what <laughs> yeah. I love. Perfect, crisp, cool. Yeah. Even a little bit rainy is okay. I oh. mean, that 60, de- 60 degrees is like perfect. Yeah. SoCal uh, mornings where you're sort of in um, like San Diego area mm-hmm. or even up like Frisco and things like that um, where it's super cool and foggy and the wind's blowing in in the morning and it's like 60 something. You have to wear a yeah nice chunky sweater. That's your favorite but thing. But then it's going to be beautiful world. the rest of the day. Oh, yeah. It's, so See, and that's I, how we're here, here is in uh, what September and October. It's kind of like that. Yeah, exactly. That's what we are targeting for the wedding. So, so soon. Our wedding is the first week of October. So that's uh, coming up quick. And yeah, you're in the weeds. Okay, I am in the weeds. I am deep in the weeds. But luckily, uh, Hannah's planning most of it. So, but you brought I'm me donuts like, the other day. I did. Yeah, we're doing a breakfast theme, so we have donuts instead of um, like cake, which I'm excited about. But. It's in October, so I'm really hoping that we get a day like that. Really, really hoping. Because I'm optimistic. October here could be like 80, or it could be like 30. So <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be a, an interesting ride for sure. Okay. Well, let's get to our question today. We have a great question today uh, from Anna. Hey guys, I love you. So I heard that I believe I heard you say that you like target date funds, but I've heard other podcast people that I hear, they kind of don't like it. So do you like it? Do you not like it? I'm 40 and I started late to my journey. I'm hitting it hard, but half of my IRA is on target day fund and half is in a total money, total market, whatever. Is it good? Is it bad to have it there? Should I change it? If so, when is a good time to change it? Thanks. Bye. Hi, I love you. I love you. I love you too. That made my day. Yeah. That really did make my You're day. Made my day. Hi, I love you. Nice. I'm going to just start introducing myself to people like that. Hi, I love you. <laughs> Not introducing, introducing, but just saying hi to people. Yourself like to that. others. Hi, I love you. Have you ever been arrested? I love that. It's a good way to build up some like optimism in the world. Like some good, yeah, good feelings. Just throw out a hi, I love you every once in a while. It's like when that... Back in the day, when like the "Have a Nice Day" smiley face was a big thing, I don't oh, know if that was just in Forrest Gump or that actually existed. No, that's a thing. I mean, I know it's a thing, but I didn't know if it was as popular as it was in Forrest Gump. That's the best movie. I love that movie. The best? I love that movie. I've seen is that it, movie so many but is times. It the it's like best three hours movie. long, but it's. I don't know if it's the best, but it's got to be. It's in my top ten for sure. Someday we'll bro talk and like best movies. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> I know we're completely off off the rails, but target date funds. <laughs> target date funds. All right, so what are your thoughts on Target Day? Why do you think they get a bad rap? I mean, I've listened to a couple podcasts, so I think I know what they're talking about uh, when they say that some people say they're trash. Yeah, I mean, well, I, do you I, think a lot of people I've heard say that. And uh, it's interesting, the psychology behind it. A lot of people that I talk to, 
that have them in their 401k, they don't want to use them. Like they mm-hmm. avoid them like the plague. Um, I don't know. It could be part of maybe fees that are being associated uh, with a target date fund. Or, you know, I don't know exactly the history of target date funds, but it's probably taking them some time to get adopted and used more. But I, I have no problem with target date funds. And yeah. So what do, you, what do you think? Why do you think they're... Okay, so I'll make a couple speculations because I don't know um, which particular blogs or podcasts or whatever yeah. uh, they might be referring to. So back in the day, and it wasn't that long ago... Um, I won't even try to quote how long ago it was. Maybe 10 years ago? Okay. Something like that. I'm probably vastly incorrect. There used to be a time when like early target date funds were funds of funds, which they still kind of are, can be now, but they would be a mutual fund and then they would have, they would that mutual fund would own a bunch of other mutual funds. ETFs I don't think were really prevalent yet. Yeah. So they rarely owned ETFs, which can technically sometimes be lower cost. Anyhow, the very early target date funds would have a management fee, the fee yeah. that it cost them or that they charged you to sort of compile all of those funds into one fund and then manage kind of the decreasing allocation over time. Now, early on, one of the big flaws of these funds was that you would see the target date fund fee Post, like uh, listed, published okay. in the upfront. So if it said, say, half a percent or something like that, um, that was just the fee for compiling all of those yeah. funds together. But then you'd get fees for every single yeah, one. Each yeah, each one of those fees or each one of those funds, though, had you know an embedded management fee. And so for a while, and I don't know how long it was, what the dates were, et cetera, but for a while... You would see, and I'm sure it was it had to have been listed somewhere in the prospectus or the the fact sheet or something like that. But for a while, you would see a fairly reasonable or or low fee. But then you might have like a one and a half percent fund in there, yeah, or something like yeah, that, something crazy, which is called acquired fund fees, right? And so it'd be listed somewhere else, like you know, your target date fund is half a percent or uh, forty basis points or something like that. But your acquired fund fees are one point two five percent. And the combination of those for a while and in some fun families was pretty ridiculous. Mm-hmm. At some point, they sort of uh, changed the legislation or the regulation, or I doubt that mutual fund companies just started doing it on their own. But somewhere along the line, that changed. And now when you pull up a target date fund and you see, say, Schwab or Vanguard Fidelity's target date fund... The percentage that you see in the management fee or the expense ratio is now the composite, the total fees for both the advisory of the fund and the acquired fund fees. And somewhere in the documents that you'll look through, they'll break that out for you, how much it is to actually manage the fund versus how much it is. Now, one of the ways that they're saving costs is the, the big, you know, the Schwab's Fidelities and Vanguard's are creating target date funds and then using their own funds. So they don't actually have to pay very much or, or have very much expenses uh-huh. to run the actual target date part of it because it's just sort of a pass-through sort yeah. of thing. So that was one of the first big arguments. Uh, and I can understand that because if you're coming from sort of that background, you go, oh, they're just expensive. Right. Uh, but that's not the case anymore. I mean, you've right. looked at a lot of target date funds. Yeah, they relatively... I think if you build out a portfolio and you compare it to a target date fund, 
they're pretty much the same expense wise as mm-hmm. building out that portfolio. And I think that's also convenient or nice or simple. One of the other reasons I like target date funds is they basically build a portfolio for you that most, I don't know, this is kind of a broad statement. Most advisors would build a portfolio that is very similar to what that target date fund is. I mean, in general, a diversified, uh, you know, well-diversified portfolio is what you're going to buy in a target date fund. Yeah. Ballpark. Ballpark, yeah. Some target date funds are different. They might have different asset classes. They might be indexed target date funds or more actively managed. Um, so the other criticism that I've sort of heard on target date funds, and this one actually has uh, elements of truth in it, so we'll have to break it down a little bit, is that your... Uh, most appropriate portfolio or your risk tolerance or things like that are not directly correlated to your retirement year or things like that. So uh, obviously one thing that makes target date funds hard is they have these years associated with them and and most people aren't really sure exactly what year to pick. Um, So the simplest solution there is to pick the year on or about the time that you're going to retire. Mm -hmm. So the easiest solution there is to pick your full retirement date for social security say age 67 or age 70 and look at for the year that sorry your full retirement date for social security is not age 70 but that's the age at which a lot yeah. of people uh, also retire somewhere between 67 and 70 uh, these days for younger folks so pick look at what year you are going to reach somewhere between age 67 and 70 and select that year for your target mm-hmm. date is sort of the quick solution now that does not equate exactly to the level of risk that you can stomach yeah, because now you're going to get a portfolio allocation that is sort of statistically and mathematically appropriate for that time horizon, not necessarily for you. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about it so many times about, you know, the age is not the only factor that goes no. into that. It has to do not with... At all. But for a target date fund, that's all it really yeah. considers. Uh, it doesn't also consider sort of your overall financial plan, your savings rate, uh, your overall goals, things like that. So if you're wanting to retire early at age 55, it's mm-hmm. not considering that. Um, so there's a lot of elements it's not considering. However, if you're just investing in a 401k or your own individual retirement account and you want to make things fairly simple, it's going to be very much in sort of the ballpark of yeah. where you ought to be. And then it's going to keep you in the ballpark of where you ought to be at different phases of your life. Because one of the things we've seen, we work with a lot of folks who are approaching retirement. They're um, in their last couple of years of their professional world. They come in, show us their 401k statement, especially if they've worked in the same place for 20-ish years. A lot of times they've signed up for their 401k 20 years ago, invested in all stocks, and are now in their mid-50s and still invested in all stocks. Mm-hmm. So what it's, which inherently, if the stock market is up, is not terrible. Right. But brings with itself a lot of risk in that you're not diversified across asset classes. You're diversified across a lot of stocks, but you're going to get 100% of the market market volatility, uh, which you may not want going a couple of years away from retirement. Yeah. So that's where a target date fund is really going to benefit a lot of people who do not want to mess with their own portfolio allocation. Yeah. They don't want to kind of design stocks versus bonds and things like that. I think as well, I mean, we just talked on the last podcast about utilizing a 401k and utilizing it has to do with the lineup that you're given. And a lot of the time when I've looked at 
different allocations for people, it actually makes more sense cost-wise and, and fee-wise to utilize the target date fund than to utilize some of the other funds that they have in the lineup to mm-hmm. build out that same allocation because those funds may be uh, higher fees. They may be um, invested in some different or out there uh, portfolios. So I think making sure that you're looking at that expense ratio when you're evaluating, should I go target date fund or should I build out my portfolio in my 401k? Kind of brilliant. Yeah, I would say, I guess, if you're against target date funds or you, or you think that it's not the solution, um, I would question, well, what then is the solution? And I understand that uh, some people don't need the sort of the glide path over time yeah. of the allocation, things like that. That may be, which is what target date funds will do. They'll gradually, over time, they'll shift your asset allocation from mostly stocks if you're young to uh, as you get close to retirement, they're going to add more and more sort of fixed income or bonds to the portfolio to smooth out the volatility so that you don't have such you know uh, ups and downs yep. associated with the market. Some people don't need or want that, and that would be probably maybe the main argument or flaw against that. However, this is like an 80-20 or a 90-10 rule. For 80 or 90% of the people, it's actually pretty appropriate, and they don't want to put that much thought into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had, I've have had a couple of people that we do plans for go basically the same thing. I've heard that target date funds are pretty terrible and I go, well, I do financial planning. I do my own financial plan. I invest in target date funds yeah, <laughs> because they're simple. Uh, in, in certain of our retirement accounts, like we have some, you know, rollover Roths and IRAs and things like that, that, you know, have a sum of money in it. We're not adding a lot to it. Mm-hmm. So, why not put in a target? Why pick five or 10 different funds um, or create an investment allocation that we think can outperform the target date fund or can have a slight edge when I can just put it in one fund? Yeah. And then you're probably going to have to go back. To, if you did that, you'd have to go back to those funds and change your allocation over time. At some point, you should rebalance that. and yeah. do some very logical things. And target date funds can do a lot of that for you. And, and the ones that some of the ones that you can invest in now are pretty low fee. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all things considered. So. Um, we won't recommend or we can't recommend any specific ones. Uh, but if you look at ones from the big names, mm-hmm. uh, we've quoted a couple of those big names. You can do your own research, and they might you might find ones that are fairly low cost. Uh, the big names being like the Vanguards, the Schwabs, the Fidelities of the world. That might be a good place to start and look and assess their fees and see if they're appropriate for you. Yeah, the one thing I, I want to mention, too, is... Some people believe, and I've actually heard this from quite a few people, that when you buy a target date fund, if you say that the investment target is 2030, for instance, so your retirement date estimation is 2030, at year 2030, it is not going to be not invested anymore or 100% in bonds. That's a good one, yeah. So as it approaches... It does, like you were mentioning, it does rebalance and, and take you from stocks to bonds or, or less aggressive assets. But even after the retirement date, say 2030 and you're still invested in that, you may be 60% in stocks and 40% in bonds, but you're not going to be completely out of the market. Yeah. So it still has volatility once it reaches that date. Yeah, I would say maybe, because every target date is a little bit different, maybe roughly on average 65%-ish when you hit that retirement year, and then yeah. it's going to scale back to 50%-ish over time mm-hmm. uh, in your retirement. But that's what you would do if you were not invested in a target date fund. Again, this is sort of the bell curve average. Where would the average person going into retirement likely be based upon the plans that we've done and the mm-hmm. risk tolerances we've looked at and things like that? 
the average person kind of going into retirement is somewhere typically of the clientele that we see and serve between that 50-50, 50% stocks, 50% bonds, and 70-30. Yeah. So the target date fund is going to basically split that difference and go, okay, roughly 60-40 or 65-35 yep. is about where the general average needs to be for these folks uh, and then take it from there. I mean, a lot of this comes down to um, statistics and, and kind of math, where, where, what works for general averages. And as long as we're in that ballpark, then it'll work for most plans. Now, if you have exceptions to that, that's where you might add in other stuff. Yeah. Shake and bake. Shake and bake. So uh, we hope that helped answer your question, and uh, we're going to wrap it up. But the secret to wealth is very simple. Live on less than you make. Invest the rest. Do so for a very long time. Make it a great day. Thanks for listening to this episode of the show. If you want content delivered to you regularly, be sure to follow us on Instagram at DIY.money. And if you want your question aired on the show, be sure to send that to us and you'll get a $25 Amazon gift card. This show is for entertainment and educational purposes only and is not intended as personal financial advice. Before making any financial decision, please do your homework and consult a financial advisor as needed.